Welcome to Careers and Mental Health Conversations. This is the podcast where we discuss career counselling, career guidance, mental health awareness and mental health training in the workplace. With your hosts, Patrick, Sally, Tina and Amy. In today's episode of Careers and Mental Health Conversations, we talk with and get to know more about Sally Healy, one of the co-founders and our CEO here at the Career Development Centre. Welcome, Sally. Thanks for having me today, Patty. Sally, you are an author, you're a business owner, and a very dedicated career development practitioner. Tell us a little bit about your passion for the industry. Um, My passion was born out of seeing vulnerable and young people going straight into study without really knowing the why, why they were doing it, if they were going to enjoy it, if they, it was what they really wanted, if, you know, they were going to succeed. And quite often that wasn't the case. There was a, you know, a time and a lot of time where they were just going to uni or into vocational education, thinking that was it and that was their career path and racking up thousands of dollars worth of debt. So my passion was born out of, hey, that doesn't need to be that way. That's not necessarily the answer. And being able to give these people independent advice and save them from that painful journey is where I get my joy and is where I get results, yes. So obviously you would have come across a lot of students over your time, a lot of people looking for work as you were running a successful uh, registered training organisation. Was that one of the bugbears that you saw with students is they were just signing up or you were hearing of stories of them signing up to courses and just not knowing what they were going to do with that? I was more than hearing stories, Patty. I was seeing the um, stressful effects that this was putting on people. There was the um, vet fee debacle and my previous business was uh, um, a supplier of vet fee, but we wouldn't sign people up into those courses unless we knew that it was really what they wanted to do. But what we saw throughout Australia was people from everywhere receiving computers or gifts and being signed into courses that they probably had very little hope of completing and may not have had any interest, but the the thought of a laptop was a pretty good deal. So what we saw was these vulnerable people with thousands of dollars worth of debt and nowhere to go with that qualification and often not completing it. The completion rates were so low. I became very, very almost, I guess, cross about seeing that happen to people and I made the decision that I didn't want to be part of that industry and I wanted to be part of the industry where we were setting people up for success, where we were helping them along the way, where we had ideas after a couple of sessions of what they would be good at, at how they go about it, and that may not necessarily be education. There are many, many other ways to take that journey. They just weren't aware of it. They were ill-informed, and it was quite um, crippling what happened in that situation to people, and people are still suffering where they've paid thousands of dollars, the company's gone belly up, and they're left with no qualification. It's It wasn't a good thing for people, and I 
really want to be on the good side of doing good for people. I mean, you hear some horrible stories of exploitation from these companies, you know, like you said, giving out iPads or or some sort of computer to them at train stations. I mean, obviously, it's all been through the news and the government has has introduced some form of, of change or regulation. Are you happy with the changes that have been introduced now? And do you see them making a positive effect in the careers and training industry? Personally, I still don't think we have the model right uh, because there were very good registered training organisations that were shut down as a result of the bad behaviour. So uh, sadly, everyone became a victim as a result of nine or ten companies behaving badly. So I still don't think that model is quite right because there are people transitioning back to the workforce that simply can't afford study. But the other thing I do think is the rest of the world is taking career development really, really seriously. We're lagging behind. Our government need to get behind this and realise that people need some help. The world has changed. The world of work has changed. We've got globalisation. We've got technology. We've got people working remotely. It's changed so much that people don't know what they don't know and they simply don't know where to get that information unless they spend a whole day on Google and even then that may not be factual. The beauty of uh, a qualified practitioner is that they're well-versed, they're credible, they're not aligned to any one training organisation and that's where this needs to be, where the people advising on careers should not be aligned to any university or any training company because there's a conflict of interest. Sadly, our people going into those courses don't know that. So when they go to an objective career practitioner, yes, they're paying for their session, but they're getting honest, objective advice. They're getting personality profiled. We're getting to know what their values are and their beliefs, their interests. We're finding out about the person as a whole. And so by separating that from the universities and the um, registered training organisations or even the schools is making it a more objective and honest, transparent process. Now, obviously, you mentioned there before that overseas where Australia's a little bit behind. Obviously, you wanted to start the Career Development Centre to, to make a change and, and follow your true passion and help others do the same. What areas do you think uh, Australian education, training, career development uh, organisations can pick up their act in terms of um, being, in, being in line with the rest of the world? There's several. Uh, one of the big things is organisations to maintain talented staff. They need to be investing in them. They need to be developing. We, uh, you know, leaders, they fill the car with petrol. They put new tyres on it. They buy new furniture for the office. It's the same. We must invest in the people. That doesn't mean sending them off to university or it doesn't mean sending them off to vocational education. It means talent stacking, giving them more um, more training in communication skills, in the skills of the future, resilience, creativity, all of those type of things. If people know that they're being looked after in that organisation, it will create loyalty. Now, 
Like it or not, there is a shortage of good talent out there. But the future workplace will demand the things like emotional intelligence, the people skills. We've got our technical skills. We went to uni. We went to vet. We got them. It's not enough anymore. It's not enough for people to go, I got my degree in 2005. Yoo-hoo. I can sit on that for the rest of my life. So I think there is a responsibility from business owners, especially those modern leaders that I see coming through that I just love, the millennials, because they've got it. They're starting to think. The young entrepreneurs are investing in their team because they know that makes a successful business and it's a win-win. There's been too much doom and gloom in our economy. Our government are not entrepreneurial and they don't support entrepreneurs until they've finally made it and then they're their best friends. There needs to be more support for those people, new people starting business or those new workers going through to make sure that they get a diverse array of skills, array of skills. Now, I know you do a lot of guest speaking and you speak at a lot of seminars and conferences about the careers and where Australia's at and our, our changing workforce. You mentioned the millennials before. Do you really enjoy speaking to that group or actually working with that group on in terms of a private consulting type of work? I love it. And why is that? I love it because they are fresh. They haven't been stacked up with... Um a lot of bad experiences yet, but they have fresh ideas. They're more flexible. And look, I'm a baby boomer, so I'm sitting here saying this, but they're more flexible. They're more willing. They want what we didn't have out of life. They don't want nine to five. They want to spend time with their families. They want to succeed. They want to grow. So you've got a clean slate when you're working with them. They're willing. Generally speaking, they're willing they're motivated and they're open to new ideas. They understand things like mental health and the importance. They understand the need to give back to community and they understand that empowering others is what makes a great workplace. And that's why we see so many young entrepreneurs coming through because they're more open to experience. What do you say to the people out there? There's a growing sentiment that the millennial workforce, and I'm a millennial, so I, I sort of, uh, I, I listen to this and I take it on board that, you know, there's, they're after some form of entitlement. Um, they don't want to confide, you know, they don't want to stick to the rules. They want to have it more on their terms. Do you, do you sort of buy into that feeling that the millennials, um, a little bit self entitled, a bit about themselves? I don't buy into that at all. It's it's totally up to the older generations to mentor these. Sure, there's some things that they haven't got right, but there's some things that we didn't get right either. It's combining the two heads. Like a, a smart millennial will have a mentor that is from the next generation that's doing something well. They'll go and seek that out. They won't sit there and go, oh, I hate this job. They'll go and seek out a baby boomer or a, a generation behind that and they'll find out and they'll mirror the behaviors of that person and they'll match them and they'll 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 take what they're doing really well then they'll go and talk to someone else and what they are really good at doing is building relationships and asking for help previous generations we went to work we had a job for life we didn't argue with the boss. We didn't ask for help. But but this generation, these millennials, they've got it right because they're seeking out bright ideas. 
I take my hat off to them. I mean, and there's also a lot of information out there now to help guide them. You can get uh, information on your social media, on your direct to your telephones, your iPads. Yeah, I mean, we're we're so well connected. Does that excite you about the workforce at the moment in Australia, how everyone is so well connected? There's a lot of content out there. You can basically go and become an expert in whatever field you would like to with enough enough research, I guess. Uh, yeah, that does excite me. It can be good and it can be a little dangerous, like too much information in the wrong areas can be a little bit dangerous. I think getting that information but then going and finding someone that's actually doing it is imperative. Just grabbing information off Google and taking it as gospel is not necessarily 100%. That's just my opinion. But, yes, they can learn to be, and we're seeing young kids start up websites and and be successful, you know, quite young. So that part of it excites me. What still I feel is in this Australian culture, and it's being led by, you know, our governments, I believe, is a still a sense of doom and gloom. We need to become brighter and more switched on and back people when they've got ideas. You know, let's explore it with them because it's really hard. Perhaps starting a business is not easy work. This is the second business I've started, and, and it's quite... It's quite challenging, but if you're passionate about what you do, then I believe that you can go and become an expert, but with several different channels of information. Do you feel, Sally, as if there will be a need for universities in, say, about 10 years' time? I mean, I know there will always be a need for specific degrees, but I think the general feeling out there is that young entrepreneurs can get so much out of learning online and, and you know creating things online with using code or using software or technology and apps like do you feel like some degrees are going to become redundant in the future absolutely i don't i certainly don't think you know our doctors and those types of degrees degrees are anywhere near becoming redundant but you're absolutely correct 40 percent of our graduates don't get jobs we know that for a fact we know that that's declining yet we're still going through an education system and almost still have that sense of it's really good if you've got a university degree. It's not always good. I have three children. Not one of them have a university degree, but each of them are very successful in what they do because they become it. They became educated in different ways in what they do. You can become an expert with a diverse array of things and uni is not the only answer. In fact, I say to my young clients, think about going to university part-time. Think about having a university, a job while you're at university in what it is you're studying. So you might want to do interior design. You might go and get a part-time job as the receptionist side alongside. So you're watching what those people are doing and talent staff. Go and do a course in public speaking. Go and do a course in NLP or whatever, but be adding to your talents because I can tell you, I've spoken to a lot of employers and they're looking for diversity. When they look at a resume, they're looking for diversity. Now, half the time now, it's not even a human looking at your resume. So you've got to have certain keywords in there. People need to know these things. And so, yeah, will will university degrees be redundant? Yes, naturally, there will be lots of them that will be redundant over time because 
the positions that um, people are studying for now, lots of them are not going to be there by 2030. So they have to become redundant. I can tell you're obviously very passionate about that and it, it's something that you believe quite firmly in and, and you're always advocating for that sort of change out there. Uh, what do you love most about your job at the moment? What do you love doing the most? S- um, seeing someone succeed after after we've seen them, seeing them grow not just in their career but as a person. When you start your job, how can you possibly know at 18 what you want to be. Life changes. Life gets in the way. Our whole value system changes. Our brain doesn't develop till 25. So how can 18-year-olds be deciding their entire future and thinking that's what it is? My greatest passion comes from seeing somebody complete a chapter. Now, I call it a chapter because your career is not a destination. It's a journey. Career development is a lifelong process. You might be traveling overseas, working in a bar, doing your thing. Then you get into your 30s and you have a family. Suddenly you need stability. So you need that employed position. Then your kids grow up. You can go out in your own business. It's forever evolving. And so they're not jobs for life. So my greatest passion is seeing somebody get to where they wanted to be. The first question I ask them is where you want to be. The moment most answers are, I don't know. That's the exploration stage. We explore the I don't know until we come to I do know. And then it's starting to put that action plan in of what that looks like and how am I going to get there. And when they get there, that's when I love my job. Well, Sally, I know that you could sit here and talk about careers all day. In fact, you do talk about it all week. It's, it's, it is your true passion and you love helping people. So, you know, throughout this podcast series, we're going to look to educate um, people on, on different parts of careers and give out some advice, answer questions along the way. But we'll unpack a lot of those in more detail as we go. But thank you for joining, you know, episode two of the Careers and Mental Health Conversations. Hopefully our listeners get to know a little bit about you and what you stand for. And I know you'll be talking to them more throughout this whole series. Thanks, Pat. Thanks heaps. If you enjoyed this podcast and you would like us to appear in your feed, please hit the subscribe button and you're also welcome to leave us a review. For more information, visit careerdevelopmentcentre.com.au.